0: And a warm welcome to afternoons with Bill Arnold. I am the Bill Arnold part of that short little sentence. Welcome to the Sunburnt Series, something I enjoy doing every summer, midweek because uh I love to invite my friends and guests to come on the show and talk about something that they are burning to talk about. And as you know, if you've ever had a sunburn, there's no uh fast fix to soothe the sunburn. However, you can ease your discomfort with a few simple steps. Drink lots of water and listen to this program. I know everyone in life has at one point said, Who am I? Where did I come from? And where am I going? These are the likely questions of life that always uh, desire some kind of response. And... Today, we're going to talk to Dr. Randy Newman. He's a senior fellow for apologetics and evangelism with the C.S. Lewis Institute, and he occasionally blogs at connectionpoints.us. He's the author of Mirror Evangelism, 10 Insights from C.S. Lewis to Help You Share Your Faith. And today, we're going to talk about a lovely passage from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. So get your Bibles out. Randy, Welcome. Uh, it's great to be back with you. Thanks so much. Thank you. I have I've missed having you on the show. It's been a while. And I think the last time uh, you were going to be on the show, uh, you had to reschedule because I think there was a a concern you had uh, caring for your mother. And that always softens my heart because I, I love I love men that care for their mothers. So how's your mom doing? <laughs>
1: Uh, thanks so much. My, my mom's doing remarkably well for someone who's 95. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and sometimes I like to say she's 95 with all the rights and privileges there too, or something like that. Uh, she's doing very well. She's in a really great place, an assisted living place that takes very, very good care of her. Um, but she's had, you know, she's had some Health scares and health challenges, and um, so far she's doing fine. She's back at her home there nice. and doing pretty well. But um, you know, ninety-five is ninety-five. Yeah, um, that uh, that generation had,
0: was very tough. It was a tough group of people.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. My dad lived to be ninety, and um, you know, he fought in World War II. Uh, they were part of that generation that went through uh, the Great Depression. So, yeah, it's pretty tough stuff. But um, uh, so they've done they've done really well. Um, But, you know, you just never know. I mean, at that age, you know, uh, any tiny little thing could be uh, the thing that ushers her into eternity. My mom came to faith when she was. I I would say seventy five or maybe a little bit after that. My dad came to faith when he was eighty six. Mm. Uh, you know, coming from a Jewish background, these are this is pretty remarkable. Um, my dad requested that we sing, we sing Amazing Grace at his funeral. <laughs> I, 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 half half the crowd was Jewish and had never heard that song before, and wondering why why did Marty want this song sung himself? <laughs> It says he was a wretch. He wasn't a wretch. He <laughs> saved a wretch. Like, why? Would he, I, I thought you're supposed to not say bad things about dead people. <laughs> anyway, so it was just a
0: great joy. Uh, it's hysterical. So, uh, how many years ago did your father die?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, quite a while ago now. Um, eight years ago. Okay. Yeah, eight or nine years ago, and um, uh, and then and my mom. Uh, lived in the same house that they had lived in for sixty plus years uh, on her own for a while, and then you know it got. It seemed to be obvious that oh, it's difficult to maintain this house and stay in mm-hmm. it. Um, so um, um, uh,
0: yes, so she's she's doing very well. What well, I love the story of your mother's conversion because if I recall this correctly, uh, you had given her a book to read, and she didn't really read it. And then some other lady friend of hers gave her the same book, and she read it and got all excited about it. <laughs> that's
1: right. That's right. Yeah. yeah so what can, what can teach their parents? Nothing. Nothing. And so, um, yes, it should be a great encouragement to other people that they should, they should pray that God brings other people into their lives who will say the same things that They've said for a long time, but now she listens. Yes, that's right. I gave my mother a copy of Stan Telchin's book, Betrayed. She did read it, and but it didn't have much of an effect. She said it was interesting, and she gave it away to somebody else who she thought it might be more helpful for. I was furious. Um, <laughs> and 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 then years later, uh, this friend of hers gave her the exact same book, and my mother didn't even remember about it. And you know, She sent me this email saying, have you ever heard of this book? It's very good. I think you should read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so, so funny! Um, it is. It is. And yeah. and um, my mom finds great, great comfort in knowing the Lord. I mean, you know, the, you know, being in her nineties, it's mm-hmm. not easy. There's real challenges and difficulties, but she regularly reminds me that Yeshua is right there with her, mm-hmm. and that's great, great
0: strength and comfort. Yeah. Does she ever listen when her son is on the radio?
1: Not that I know of. Okay. No. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Because I'm she, always looking for one more listener on my show. If I could just get right, one I'll more play. listener. I say yeah. that to myself every day. Well, I'll, I'll see what I could do for you, Bill. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if if you were to send her, if you were to somehow play this episode for her, you know, we could right. we could say hi to her right now on the program.
1: Well, you know, she would be very pleased that she so far has been the subject of this, <laughs> this conversation so far. and and just to be honest with you i'm growing in unease it's like enough already about oh, I my get mother it. i get you know, it is, is this really why is this what you wanted to talk about for no
0: the time? no no i mean so, uh, it's part of the sunburn <laughs> series though we talk about a little bit of anything and everything and and okay. today um, i want to talk uh, about a passage in ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 to 19 um And I know that we're going to have some some fun uh, going through these verses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why don't uh, I, I read these verses just to get things started? How's that?
1: Yeah, great. I love
0: it. Yeah. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being great well um
1: i I just love this passage and um i- I guess to tell you a little bit about why I was excited about uh this passage um I've studied it for a long time i've uh spoken about it, I've preached sermons about it um there was there was one point in my life when I was reading commentaries on it and studying and digging in and i and I zoomed in on the phrase um Rooted and Grounded in Love. And I I remember thinking, um, have I been rooted and grounded in love? And the first place I went back to is when I first became a believer, when I was 20 years old, sophomore year in college. And as I thought back about it, I thought, you know, I didn't I really didn't get rooted and grounded in love at Hmm. that point. I got rooted and grounded in truth. And that's very, very important. I don't want to make light of that or downplay that at all. But um, for me, coming from a Jewish background, I had to be really, really convinced that this Jesus stuff was true, that the New Testament really was accurate, that Jesus really did say the things that his followers said he said, and that those verses in the Hebrew prophets really were fulfilled by the coming of Jesus and all that. And it was, so for me, it was, it was, it had to be a kind of an intellectual pursuit of getting questions answered. And when I got convinced that, yeah, this really is true. These claims really are right. um, I became a Christian and started growing and, and, and then for a very long time, I was in campus ministry, where a whole lot of what we do is make arguments for the truthfulness of the the message. So all that's great. But as I look back at it, I thought, I, I really haven't been rooted and grounded in love, God's love for me. I've been in, rooted and grounded in truth. And so that started, and that was probably, I don't know, 10 years ago, I started sort of exploring what would what would it look like in my life if, if really the very, very core of who I was was rooted and grounded in the love of mm. God? So that that's that that's kind of like why I was excited that we were going to get a chance to discuss this passage.
0: Randy, this is uh, kind of a hammer to my forehead right now because the rooted and grounded in love is something I don't know if I have ever really focused on, and you've brought it to my attention, and I'm sure there's many people right now thinking the same thing. I would say well, that as I'm growing in my faith as a younger Christian, I want to get rooted and established and grounded in truth. So I probably did the same thing you did.
1: And and please be, I, I really hope you and your listeners will hear me carefully. I'm I'm not pitting those two against each other, like like they're... You know, they're they're mutually exclusive or anything. No, no, no. We, we must be rooted and grounded in truth. And so much of scripture talks about the need for believing the truth and and rejecting lies mm-hmm. and on and on. Yes, yes, yes. So it's not it's not as opposed to that, but it is woven together with that of being rooted and grounded in love. Um so so here's here's something that's so intriguing to me: is this is a prayer that um comes right in the middle of this letter that Paul writes to the Ephesians um it's the second time he's prayed for them in this letter he prayed at the beginning of the letter he, he said he prays that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened mm-hmm. so that they would know all of the fullness of the gospel but now he can't stop himself he sort of interrupts him, him his sort of didactic teaching and he inserts a a prayer says i pray and He's praying that they would have power from God so that they would know the love of God. Now, I mean, just think about that a little bit. It it takes the power of God in order for us to know the love of God. Mm. And he's praying that that would happen. The, the implication is this probably ain't gonna just happen by itself or <laughs> this isn't just an automatic thing or or this isn't just a reminder. Hey, don't forget, God loves you. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> mm-hmm. so much richer and so much deeper and it's calling us to spend time and reflect on so many passages that, that, that they do more than just remind us they they uh, elaborate and embellish and expand on just how great this love is that we have from God because his son has
0: died for us. Well, that's a rich start. We're going to take a little break. Dr. Randy Newman is my guest for our Sunburnt series. We're looking in the book of Ephesians. We are in chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. We'll be right back with lots more. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I'm back with Dr. Randy Newman. And Randy, this jazz is just for you, my friend. Hope you like it. (laughs) I do, I do. I'd like to hear more. (laughs) Well, we can probably run it for a little while longer. Keep it up, Kim. There we go. Puts him in a good mood, and I want him in a good mood. It's always (laughs) helpful. When the guest is happy, I'm happy. There we go. All right. How much music do you still do, Randy, if any?
1: Uh, If you mean playing,
0: performing, zero. Zero. A big zero Zero. or a a little zero? Do you you play it in your home at all? Well, I mean,
1: if you're talking about my actually producing the music, zero, zip. Because I sold my saxophones and I don't have a keyboard. (laughs) Um, all right. Now I listen to music a lot all mm-hmm. the time and I think about it and I read about it and I'm, Oh, I, we need, if I can be so bold and obnoxious, please have me back on sometime. We'll do a whole thing about music.
0: Okay. I'd uh, love it. I'd love to. Um,
1: but that's, that's, well, we'll save that for another time.
0: Yeah. Let's jump back into Ephesians three. I love the point you made and I appreciate the distinction you made that being rooted and grounded in love does not mean that you are we are ignoring truth at all. It is it is uh, something we do together. It's love and truth. But I have focused mostly on truth and did not focus on love, it's very much the way you did as well.
1: Well, and again, I I don't think we're alone. Again, the the very fact that Paul would pray this prayer that that believers would grow and know. More and more and more. By the way, isn't it intriguing? He prays that they would know the love of Christ, which is beyond knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that. He prays that they would know something that they will never fully know, Mm -hmm. uh, that they will grow in it. And and then also the, the fact that there are so many reminders in Scripture about God's love for his people must mean that... It's easy to forget it or it's easy to reject it or deny it or not fully appreciate it. So I, I think that's sort of the default um, occupational hazard of being a human being in a fallen world. Um, um, but so what we need is we we need, you know, more and more reminders, a lot from Scripture, but but even from other places. Here, let me let me share this one story Um we recently moved after living for over 30 years in Northern Virginia. We moved down to Austin, Texas, where it's hot. Um, <laughs> But we didn't move for the temperature. We moved to be close to my son and his wife and our four grandchildren. And it's a delight being around the grandchildren. And I don't know, a week or so ago, I was reading to my two-year-old grandson, Michael. I'm reading this book that's just one of his favorite books. And if you know anything about two-year-old books, they're not very long. Um, I should write some of these books.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you write
1: two sentences mm-hmm. and it's $4.95. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's one of his favorite books, peek Pikachu, Pikachu-chu, boo And he's just smiling and giggling all the way through as I'm reading it. And I'm delighting in it. And then... Later that night, I'm telling Pam, my wife, about it, and she starts smiling, and we delight about it, and I mentioned this to um, Michael's parents, my son, and, you know, they smiled, they liked it, and then it hit me. I thought, you know, nobody else on the whole planet is going to be excited about this the way his parents and his grandparents are. In fact... I'll bet some of your listeners right now, at this moment, they're rolling their eyes and thinking, "Oh no, he's talking about his grandchildren." Please, <laughs> Arnold, shut him up. <laughs> um, I'm. I, I heard this story. I don't know if it's true, but it's really funny. It's a, supposedly some friend of Winston Churchill once said to him, "Sir Winston, um, have I told you about my grandchildren?" And Churchill said, "No, and I can't tell you how happy I am." <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Nobody, nobody wants to see pictures of my darling, adorable grandchildren or hear stories about this. But, but then it hit me. I'm telling you, Bill, it was like, it, it like took the breath out of me. But you know what? God cares about this. Uh, I care about it because I'm his grandfather. His father cares about him because he's his father. But remember what Jesus said: If you, earthly fathers, if you being evil, not how know how to give good gifts to your children how much more and i just i thought about how i was just so happy and delighted to have michael on my lap and watching him get excited about this silly little book and it hit me god gets excited about things that bring me joy and bring him glory and uh and and when there are things that i do that are enjoying his creation or I'm I'm not just talking about just the spiritual stuff like praying and sharing the gospel with non-Christians. I mean, sure, of course that, but it's also enjoying a delicious meal because God created food to be delicious, or listening to a Sibelius symphony of all people, Sibelius. Really, I mean, yeah, but, but I mean, <laughs> and I enjoy that stuff, and I I've just been trying to envision God enjoys my enjoyment and and he says uh yeah i i made you like that i made you to enjoy those things i made you to be to have the kind of mind that you have and ask the kinds of questions you have sure sure there's plenty of times that i distort those things and i go in sinful directions but when i'm not pursuing sin and i'm pursuing the glory of god it brings a smile to God's face. And I just hadn't heard that a lot in the first <laughs> 40 years of my Christian life.
0: It is a perfect illustration, Randy. I, just the image of your grandson on your lap, and you're both delighting in this book, and you're having this moment that is so precious between you two, is a, mm-hmm. a, really a wonderful snapshot of how I think we are meant to enjoy God and delight in being with him. I, I think sometimes we we set up a relationship that, you know, God is is not this enjoyable person that wants to be with us. He's 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 more concerned about um uh our everyday moment and what we're doing throughout the day, which he is, but this idea that we're just gonna spend some time enjoying one one another is is a fresh thought to me. Hmm. Well okay, good, good, good. And I don't know um, if I've had another fresh thought today. This, this could be my first. <laughs> um well
1: the, the day is young. There's it is young. To come. Oh, I hope so. Yeah.
0: Um and you know,
1: the 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 evangelist in me wants to go in the direction of I'm quite sure that a whole lot of non believers, maybe most, maybe all non-Christians think God is out to ruin their lives. God is out yes. to make their lives that their view of the Christian life is less, less, less. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do No, can't enjoy that. And of course, there are things God tells us not to do. Again, out of His love for us and to protect us. Um, but there's there's so many things that are these wonderful gifts that he that he weaves into daily life and and if i could also if I could also go in this direction um if if we make those things food family relationships whatever, if we make those things ultimate, they're going to be terribly disappointing they're they're gonna crush us they they don't they can't possibly satisfy but if God is our highest lord, if he's the primary, the number one mm-hmm. And all those other things can be tremendously enjoyable because they're, they're very good gifts, but they're not good gods. We shouldn't worship them as gods, but if we can
0: receive them as gifts, they're,
1: they're just wonderful. Yeah.
0: All right, we'll take a little break. We'll be right back with Dr. Randy Newman. We're continuing looking at this lovely passage in Ephesians chapter 3. Be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy!
1: It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno Drive time, drive time Let's get it started Jump in your car yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill
0: Arno So glad to be back with Dr. Randy Newman He's a Senior Fellow for Apologetics and Evangelism with the C.S. Lewis Institute And he... uh is nice enough to come on the program. This is the Sunburnt series. We talk a little bit about anything and everything. Today we are in Ephesians chapter 3, looking at verses 14 to 19. Uh, Paul certainly got his identity from uh, God, uh, and I see him getting his identity uh, in this passage, Randy. Uh, He sees um, Christ dwelling um, in his heart, and he wants that to dwell in the hearts of all the other believers.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there, I mean, there's, there's so many little nuggets in here. Like, just for example, at the beginning of this prayer, he, well, before he starts praying in a sense, he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom heaven and earth. And, mm-hmm. and then he says, here's what I praise. Well, um, we just we just think that that's kind of normal, but I'm I'm pretty sure that this is accurate, that for the most part, um Paul and in his culture at that time usually the the posture for praying was standing with hands raised kneeling was for really really intense supplication for the things that you desperately really wanted to implore God to do so the fact that he tells them he's kneeling for this prayer means that um this really is crucial. This is this is something he really wants them to experience. Um, and then the the other thing I would point out, I mean, look at that um that list in a sense, uh, in the passage, I mean verse 18. He wants them to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and deep is the love of Christ. And and then as we pointed out earlier and 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 to know something that they'll never totally completely know because it surpasses knowledge. Or or it it surpasses knowledge meaning um he wants them to know it in a way that's deeper than just head knowledge. That that they feel it, that they experience it. Um but then that, you know, the height and uh, uh the how wide, how long, how high and deep. It's it's almost as if he's he's inviting them in about, all right, take take this concept about the love of God and explore it in this direction, about how wide God's love is. It, it it would extend to any person anywhere, no matter who they are, if they come to know him, or how long it is, How how long this would go. It's going to go for all eternity. It's your whole entire life. It was it's it's there. It's there now, but it'll be there 10 years from now. If you're bite, battling a disease, it'll be there when, you know, and, and and I don't even know if that's exactly the right. The categories, but it's just explore it in every possible way you can. How wide it is, how long it is, how high it is, how deep it is. Um, there's no place you could go that's so dark and so sinful that God can't reach you and and pull you out. Um it's so high and lofty, remember remember uh psalm one o three as high as the heavens are above the earth, so is God's love for his people um it's lofty, it's great it's it's not just some sort of sentimental emotional thing it's it's glorious it's it's the biggest category you could possibly imagine, and th- if we spend time in that kind of meditation. Um I I think then when we hit struggles or frustrations or all right I hate to say it but traffic um <laughs> if there's if there's a <laughs> reservoir of God's deep great love it's like okay I don't like traffic and I wish I could be moving faster but um but God loves me with this sacrificial love he loves me so much he sent his son and the more, I'm, I'm really trying to work on this, because th- this is this is a weakness for me, and it doesn't take much for me to get frustrated. And I find that the more I meditate on this infinite source of God's love, that setbacks and disappointments don't mess me up quite so much.
0: That I really like. I, I don't know if I've heard lots of teaching on that passage in 18 and to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I find that fascinating. And the way you have talked about that, Randy is uh, really, really helpful. It is for me anyway. And well, producer Kim is shaking her head. Yes, as well. So you're two for two in the oh, studio.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe we should close in prayer right now and quick. Um, <laughs> um
0: Well, I mean, it's just, it's a weird expression, isn't it? I mean, like, why did he say that? I agree it's weird. This is why I've I've never really paid too much attention to it.
1: uh, You know, I mean, he could have said, I pray that you, being rooted and ground in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp God's love. Amen. To grasp how big it is. Yes, that that would have worked for me. Yeah, and and there's even something uh, I, I saw in some commentaries. I mean, the Greek... Grammar there is is something more like uh i pray that you would know uh the width the length the height mm-hmm. the depth and the love of christ it's it's these are bigger categories than just modifying um the love of christ they're 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 expansive categories i can't quite express it um but again I think it's you know as we pray lord would you lord help me to grasp this help me to be just mesmerized by the fact that um you really do love me um and and then you start seeing it in so many places like like just a few chapters later in Ephesians he he says um he calls the Ephesians to live a life of love but he, but he sets it up by saying that you are dearly loved children. Uh, Ephesians 5, be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, or maybe more literally is walk in love. But wouldn't that be a great
0: life slogan? Oh. Live a life of love? <laughs> yes, it would. Yeah, it would. So I love that the... the picture i think paul is painting is that this is just something beyond your capacity to grasp i like that yeah so after we've been in god's presence for like i don't know 100 billion years maybe we'll just be to get to know him a little bit
1: <laughs> yeah well yes i think so and and it'll be this exploration of his greatness his glory of which his love is a, is a crucial component. Um, it, I mean, it, it isn't that delightful. Oh, that. We'll, we'll, we'll be learning and growing in our understanding. Um, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to harp on this too much, but you know, there, there are a whole lot of people, especially non-believers tell me this, that they, they think heaven's going to be boring. Because we're just going to be sitting around playing harps. I don't know where they get that idea. I don't, I don't get
0: that idea either. No, and although that's not, that's not fair to people that make their living playing harp on this earth. <laughs> and and the harp is a is a complex
1: instrument. I, I know. Mean, not, you know, it's like the feet and the hands the and the tuning. Um, right. <laughs> um, but even so, I first of all, I think it would take me. I, I don't know how you word this. It it would take me a big chunk of eternity just to learn how to play the harp. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone, uh, anyway, I don't know. Yeah. But I, it, it seems to me that exploring the greatness of God, including his love for his people, s- does not seem boring at
0: all. It seems ecstatic. Uh, my exact thought as well, Randy Newman. When I look at and read, uh, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God, I'm reminded that a mind outside this world created this world, and I can't even begin to grasp what is next. Um,
1: And, and well, the fact that I'm having words to put to it says something. Uh, (laughs) It's inexpressible. It's ineffable. Um, And, again, I you know there there are moments that we've had um in life when things are going well and it's a really beautiful experience or whatever and and it's as if during those moments you forget about troubles and um imagine that being overwhelmingly so for all eternity
0: mhm yeah outstanding i love it so, as we look at verse uh, 19 again, because I, I want to dwell on this just a little bit, the idea that to know this love that surpasses knowledge, I don't know if this shows up anywhere else in Scripture where uh, what, what Paul is wanting you to know is something you can't know. Does this show up somewhere else in Scripture or is this a, is this a one-time experience with that, that kind of thought and language? Hmm. Well, there are other places that talk about
1: things that are beyond our comprehension. Mm-hmm. So in um, uh, Philippians 4, about um, uh, be anxious for nothing, but uh, uh, pray and the peace of God, which surpasses knowledge, will guard your hearts and your minds. So there's well, a yeah, good. peace that's beyond comprehension. And then... Um, in the Old Testament there's so many places where God says um you you can't totally and understand who I am. You know, who has seen, who has you know um who can fathom um uh the end of Romans 11, Paul talks about God's ways are beyond searching out. Um so I, I think there are a lot of things in scripture that tell us we can know and understand a lot, but we must remember that there's still so much more that we can never fathom. It's just too deep or too big or too beyond human comprehension. Mm-hmm. And, and there's freeing about that by the way if if we if we can accept it, like, oh, there's some things that God understands that I don't. Well, Mm -hmm. that that shouldn't be all that surprising. I mean, we do forget it, and and at times we demand, you know, for him to explain it to me. And um, I think there are times he doesn't explain things, not just because that's in his wisdom the best for us, but that we can't
0: comprehend it. Mm -hmm. And Randy, when it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts, I don't know what the the Greek word is for dwell, uh, but... I, I assume that when you ask people to come over for your to your house, that you always say, "Well, you know, make yourself at home," but you don't really mean that because you don't want them looking around all of your house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you want them to be I in a more of a confined space. But when Christ dwells in your heart, you, you want to open access to everything, and and surrender completely to Him, don't you?
1: Oh yeah, um, you know, there's there's. Um, uh, let let me do a uh, book commercial now. You Please. know, uh, uh, D. A. Carson has written a really wonderful book about the prayers of Paul, and uh, I believe the 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 current title it, it changed titles, but the current title is called "Praying with Paul." Uh, it was originally published with a different title, but this one, "Praying with Paul," and he just takes these prayers and does good Bible study and digs uh, into them and then talks about them. And he's got a great section on this prayer in Ephesians three. And, and he makes a really good point about the, you know, Paul is praying that this would happen so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. And then he says, well, no, wait a minute. He's writing to the Ephesians and we already learned in chapter one, that these are, these are Christians. Mm-hmm. Well, doesn't Christ already, doesn't Christ already dwell in their hearts? Well, yes, he, he does. But, Um, but he's saying that there is a a deeper richer of Christ dwelling in you, which grows and grows and grows and gives the illustration of, you know, you could, you you move into a a new house that you just bought and you look around like, we we, we need to make some changes here. Um, That wallpaper has got to go and we've got to put in some new plumbing in the basement and, you know, on and on and on. And then over the years you, you start chipping away at the list and, and after 25 years of living in that house, you go, you know, we we really are at home here. Um, well, if that's a human experience of us living in a house, how much more so of Christ dwelling in us? So he comes in when we're new believers and he, and he looks around and he, we, we got, I got some work to do here, uh, <laughs> but over years and years and years, he is more at home. He's, he's transformed us to make us the kinds of beings who have Christ dwelling in us in a way that's far more reasonable and appropriate and, and, and beautiful. I think that's what's going on there about so that, you know, this growing and understanding about God's love would transform us so that we'd be the kind of people that it it makes more and more sense that Christ dwells in us.
0: Mm -hmm. We're enjoying a passage in Ephesians chapter three today in our sunburnt series. We'll be right back after a short break. with Dr. Randy Newman. He's a senior fellow for apologetics and evangelism at the C.S. Lewis Institute. Always glad to have Randy on. We're in uh, Ephesians chapter 3 today. If you have your Bibles open, you're going to enjoy this time together. If you missed any of it, I always recommend hearing it from the beginning. Um, you can go to myfaithradio.com. Check out the podcast. Um, one thing I love about the passage, Randy, starting in verse 14 to 19, is I do like to uh, go back a little bit to verse 13, and Paul says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Mm. And then he says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. And mm. no shortage of sufferings in this world, is there?
1: Yeah, that's really good. I, I'm not so sure I I, I uh, paid attention to that link carefully enough. Yeah, it's in the discouraging times of suffering when it's most easy for us to lose sight of God's love. Um, yeah, that's that's very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: an important link. Mm-hmm. An important. Connection. Yeah. Yesterday on the show, I was talking to a guest about how if we were really living by faith, we would have less anxiety and worry and fear. And as I'm reading this passage with you today and just going through it, so if if Christ is dwelling in our hearts through faith, and that we've been rooted in, and grounded in love, and we have this power, we should be a, a little bit more resilient in this life.
1: Um, oh, most certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, although i i do want to I, I i do want to protect us against from this idea of. Oh, I should just get this stuff already. I mean, come <laughs> on. I mean, why do I need to be reminded? Right. I, I think the picture of spiritual growth in the in the New Testament, especially in the epistles, is it is a process. It is a growth process. And and unlike unlike our salvation, our, our justification, that we cannot possibly contribute to it at all, but our sanctification, it does involve us. It does involve spending time reading the scriptures, meditating on, chewing on them. It it does involve um, gathering together with God's people and worshiping. By the way, I mean, I hope you, well, um, this whole passage, it's got that phrase in there that you together with all the saints mm-hmm. uh, may be rooted and grounded and all, etc. So that it's a process that involves other people. And that means spending time with other people and, and caring about things going on in their lives that are not necessarily big deals in your life. And so it's this process of growing and growing more and more to become more and more like Christ and uh, allowing these truths
0: to soften and change us. Randy, when, you ask anybody what they would like more of, I bet a hundred percent of people would say, I would love more strength um, in my spirit and in my inner being. And it seems like this passage is going to uh, provide that opportunity for you to have that.
1: Yeah. Yes. Um, and, 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 but, but look at the route it takes. It it takes of um, grasping how great God's love is for us. Um, You know, um, I hope this doesn't take us too far afield or something, but um, uh, I had a chance to speak at a retreat and uh, they invited me to come speak. Uh, I think they, I think they gave me four uh, talks uh, and they said, you know, um, the way our church works is we typically go through books of the Bible. So, you know, if you wanted to pick a book of the Bible and go through it, and I thought, well, it better be a short book because I only have four sessions. And, and then I, you know, I looked to see what they'd been studying for a while. And I thought, um, I'm going to pick the the prophet Zephaniah because I'll bet they haven't heard a, a series on Zephaniah ever. <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. I had to do a whole lot of study. But, but I, I did get up and say, how many of you ever heard a series of messages from Zephaniah? And nobody raised their hand. I said, great then this series that I'm about to preach is going to be the best series on Zephaniah you've ever heard. (laughs) And, and I knew I was going to land in the, the most famous verse in Zephaniah in chapter three, but I, until I had prepared for those messages, I didn't, I didn't grasp just how powerful it is. Um, It comes in this section where Zephaniah is, uh, calling Israel to shout and to be glad and to rejoice and to rejoice the fact that God has taken away your punishment. I mean, it's this beautiful picture of God's grace in the gospel. Um, But then um, to kind of wrap it up in Zephaniah 3.17, it says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Hmm. And I I remember, I was like, wait, okay, do we hear about God singing a whole lot in the Bible? And I started doing this study and started, you know, searching electronic search engines and all sorts of things. Like, there's very little in the Bible about God singing. I think there's only maybe two or three places, maybe four in the whole of the Bible and there's one place where God the Father is singing over the Son, okay. But so so we're not told very much that God sings, but here He is singing, and it's a kind of singing. By the way, the Hebrew is a, a a singing of rejoicing, and it just hit me: of well, look at what He sings about. No, 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 not not look at what He sings about. Who He sings about? He sings about us. He sings about his people, his people. He calls daughter of Zion, daughter of Jerusalem. The the people he has redeemed, he's paid for their punishment. They've gotten saved. So so this isn't every single human being who has ever lived. This is the saved. This is the the remnant, the redeemed, and and he delights in that so much that he bursts into song. I I just think that's I I. I It almost makes me want to sing. (laughs) Great. Yeah. And I have been working ever since that of every so often trying to remember, trying to imagine God sings over me. He prays for me. He intercedes for me. There's so many things that I could, that that I I want to remember. Um, But on that list is the fact that God Looks at me, and he bursts into song. He likes the way he made me. He likes what I'm doing. uh He's—I don't know if he's humming a tune when I'm holding my grandson on my lap, reading this book. <laughs> uh, I, I just—I think that's—it—it—it it, it, it is transformational.
0: I couldn't agree more. You start to understand. How long and high and deep and wide is the love of, God, of Christ with the idea that God is singing over us with delight. All right, Dr. Randy Newman, we only have a couple minutes left. So I want to just reflect once again on verse uh, chapter 3, verse 19, um, to know this love. It's not an intellectual knowledge, but it's, it's more of an experiential knowledge, isn't it?
1: Yes, although it 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 must include a whole lot of intellectual components. Mm-hmm. It, it must include that level of knowledge as as I think the starting point. Um, it starts with us understanding truths and then it seeps into the marrow of our bones and our emotions and our being and our demeanor, where we go to when we have free moments to think anything. Uh, yes, it's this it's this. Full orbed, holistic Mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. uh, That must begin with knowledge.
0: Yeah. Randy, thank you so much for taking your uh, time today to be on the program. I've just uh, loved having you on. Great to be with you. Yeah. Have a great rest of the day. Dr. Randy Newman has been my guest, and he is a senior fellow for apologetics and evangelism with the C.S. Lewis Institute. That wraps up our show for the day and for the week. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. See you next week.